What's going on, everyone? And welcome to a brand new episode of Octo Radio, a Star Wars podcast. We are here continuing uh, the quarantine sessions, which has really just become the majority of the show. Uh, there's way more episodes that have happened in quarantine than out of quarantine with any physical guests at this point. So this is just kind of what we're doing now. I don't think I will ever want to meet another person physically ever again. I love everybody in their perfect Zoom box. Uh, I don't know what aspect ratio that is. Maybe somebody could let me know. What what, what are we in? Are we in 4-3? I don't think we're in 4-3. I forget. We're not in the Snyder ratio. I know that because it's, it's not a square. It's more of a rectangle. But we are uh, joined today by somebody who is A, a lot funnier than that joke. And you will know from many of her jokes in the in the online space um really as daily as a cup of coffee is a joke from our guest today a writer for starwars.com written for dc ign funimation has a great marvel book from dk that i need to know more about even though this isn't a marvel podcast i still need to know because i love me some marvel and everybody knows that if you've caught me talking about the marvel shows and other places today we are welcomed by star wars' own kelly knox hello thanks for having me hey how are you i'm good how are you I'm doing all right, which is, you know, always the fun part of like, we've already talked off air. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, so we kind of have a feel for how we're doing. But yeah, it's so great to have you here for people that uh, maybe don't know or maybe haven't listened to Talking Bay 94. We first met doing uh, a stream with our friends Brandon and Jason on Talking Bay, um, talking about The Mandalorian season two back when that was airing. We did the episode uh, The Siege together, I believe. Maybe it wasn't The Siege. Yeah. Maybe it no, was, I think we did Ahsoka's. Maybe we did, we did the Jedi. That's right. Uh-huh. I had Brandon on this show for the siege. Then we did, yeah, we did the Jedi together, which was a great time. And obviously, um, we all loved breaking that down. And now we're in Bad Batch mode, breaking down another show. Of course, you well know, working for StarWars.com, uh, how much goes into all of that and to unrolling a show and how much, you know, sort of fanfare there is. And it's a really exciting time. But before we get into the Star Wars of all that, I'm curious just sort of how you've been um, working in this climate, how it's affected your pop culture consumption. Like, are you, you know, we joked about falling asleep while trying to work and stuff since you're home, but are you (laughs) find yourself watching way more stuff? Are you watching way less? Are you diving more into this stuff? Are you being more prolific or how's that working out for you? No, I already worked from home. I was one of the lucky ones. And so I didn't have too much of a, uh, an interruption, I guess, in my schedule. The actual only interruption was all of a sudden I was uh, helping with school a lot more. My daughter's, uh, she's in her first year of junior high. And so um, it was already going to be a big transition. And then imagine trying to start middle school with doing it all online. Oh it was, uh, yeah, it was a lot. It was a lot. Poor thing. So I know sometimes, is, sometimes it's not bad because if you think the way it's going now, she's going two days a week. So she's kind of like uh, easing into junior high, which isn't mm. awful. But like these first however many months, six months, like it was rough. And so I was like helping her, you know, my, my days would be more like writing and then going to remember how to do fractions and, you know, history and all this stuff that she needed help with. Oh my goodness. So like, it's actually, yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. Like my nephew, a yeah. little, little bit younger than that. He's a fifth grader. And you know, he'll, he's asked me for, for help before. And I feel like I'm in the Incredibles too. that scene of like, why did they change math? Like, they change math. Math is math. math, is math. <laughs> that it's, they do change math. <laughs> I don't get, I, I really don't get so much of it. And it feels like it's happening sooner, not just socially, obviously, like they know more at their age than we yes. did at the same age, but 
in terms of like the world, but just like, oh, you're already on long division. You're already on this. You're already on that. Like, I thought that you're talking about, you know, the, the, the DNA and then parts of a cell, like you're seven years old. Like it, yep. it's, it's really weird. Yeah. She's doing a, oh, she, she started algebra and she's in sixth grade. And I was like, I don't remember it starting that early, but that's, that's all, you know, something that we got used to though. So, but so media wise, probably about the same amount of consumption. So yeah, it hasn't been, we are very, very fortunate. We have not been that um, like disturbed in our daily schedules. So lucky, lucky. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, something that I've emphasized a lot on the show, especially with us being like big Star Wars fans is that it really has been, especially with, we're recording this after May the 4th, we're recording this on Revenge of the 5th. Although some of you will snarkily say, no, it's Revenge of the 6th. And to you, I say, live a little. Why can't it be both? Um, but yeah, we're, we're, we're recording this with, with a lot of community, a lot of communal love in the air. And, yeah. um, you know, not that there aren't always going to be, you know, uh, conflicts, but just the idea that we are lucky to have this thing, you know, was sort of the thing I was reflecting on a lot and how much it's comforted me throughout the past year. You know, we came off the high of sort of Colmore season seven and a little bit of that. Mm-hmm. Then we got slammed with the world shutting down. And we had this promise like, okay, at least, at least Mandalorian wrapped filming before all this happened. So at least we can get that. We'll have that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and everything else was so uncertain. And obviously we all have other things we enjoy, be it sports, be it art, whatever you're into. But this thing, I feel like I've never been closer to so many people, especially not having a celebration. There's been like a, a mutual understanding that we had to sort of do it ourselves in a lot of ways. So do you... Do you feel at all like your fandom has changed or deepened since you've been stuck with it in a more consistent way being home? Um, yeah, I mean, I definitely, I mean, like I said, I, I was already home, but I don't think I was on online as much, especially Twitter, because I don't do Instagram or Facebook or anything. I only do Twitter. So yeah, I definitely feel like you said that sense of like, all together kind of more community especially yesterday yesterday was almost overwhelmed uh, may the fourth was almost overwhelming i felt right, like yeah. with all the from like all corners like not just star wars twitter quote unquote star wars twitter but like ev- everybody i felt like took the chance to sing the praises of the star wars a little bit so it's probably why i needed that nap today because i was exhausted <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yesterday was a lot well yeah yesterday was a lot but in a good way so yeah i definitely see feel a little more like uh yeah, like more of a community. Early on, I remember we did, a, there were quite a few like um, showings of let's watch A New Hope together. Does everybody want to watch, I can't remember, Empire, I think we did one night. So I remember, you know, like I feel like there's more of that kind of online uh, community happening too. So Absolutely. And at this point, I'm just waiting for somebody to set up a night of viewing the new biomes thing, just like on repeat that like, I think it's like 15 minutes or 18 minutes of just the yeah. different landscapes. Like can, who wants to drink wine and watch biomes and just get away? It was so nice. It was relaxing. <laughs> it is really relaxing. So check that out if you haven't seen it for, for the people listening. But so uh, we got to get back to the beginning, of course, which is always, I think, some of the best stuff on this show because it's so fascinating how you hear people's different windows in and yes there's the element of like are you a original trilogy kid are you a prequel kid and we can oversimplify it to that those boxes i think a little bit but for me it's interesting to hear a lot about 
did you already have an emotional sort of like predilection toward sci-fi and fantasy? Was that in your home? Was it your parents or siblings, if you have any? Was it somebody that really encouraged that? Or on the contrary, or did you grow up in a house that maybe it was like, this is nonsense, we don't have time for it, it's school only, or you know, a strict household? So I am an originally original trilogy kid. I'm an eighties kid. Um, but it was it was interesting the way it happened was because I I didn't feel like we were a real sci-fi family, but for some reason, for whatever reason, I asked him recently, but my dad taped uh, all the Star Wars movies off HBO. That's how old I am. It was all on tape. Super <laughs> uh, cool. So, yeah. <laughs> Uh, and I remember I asked him a little more recently, like, why, why did you even tape those? Were you into it? And he was like, not, not really. They were cool. Like, he didn't really have any sort of connection to them. They were just, like, good movies to tape off of HBO. And so, yeah, it wasn't – I feel like he was drawn to them a little bit, but not, you know, not in a, an excessive way or in a fandom way. And so I have a uh, – my sister and I, I have a twin sister. So we watched those tapes pretty often uh, when we were little. And then, uh, I mean, just over and over. And then when we hit about middle school age, I got into Star Trek The Next Generation really big. Like, that was my focus for, you know, like a good, the first couple of years, couple, three years of that. We were big time into Star Trek, but always, always Star Wars it was, you know, like there in the background. So uh, that connection was really personal for me. Like, back then, girls didn't really have like the bed sheets and the posters on the wall and talk to their friends or play out lightsabers. I mean, I probably did with my sister, but not out at school or not in public because you'd get teased. Right. Uh, and so I still, uh, I still have a little trouble talking. Like I know you see me online and I, that's almost all I talk about is Star Wars, but in person I have a little bit of a, I tend to get real quiet when Star Wars comes up out of habit. I think I, I still kind of expect to get teased for it. Do you think that it's uh because maybe it's your peer group. Celebration aside, because that's a different <laughs> animal altogether. But if you were, you know, if you walked into the mall and it was a bunch of like 20-somethings that were probably like Filoni kids, do you think it would be easier because they came up in, with a little more of that geek privilege of like, we can talk about this? Or uh, so it's not the kind of thing you bring up at dinner parties with like you and like your husband's right. friends. Who <laughs> well, were also are, yeah. OT kids. <laughs> yeah. Uh <laughs> You know, in your example, like, uh, so like right now, like I'm wearing a Star Wars t-shirt, I would probably zip up my hoodie, like if I was going out really? to the mall, like, yeah, like it's that sort of a, an instinct. And uh, even though I have like a tattoo and everything, like I would hide it, like that's just still, still, I mean, I wasn't bullied or anything. I was teased about it a few times in like high school when I would talk about Star Wars. So I think I just, for the longest time before I started working on it, it was very like a private fandom, just me and my sister, basically. So, and obviously now I'm fine online <laughs> talking right. about Star Wars and working on Star Wars. But yeah, it's still a, yeah, it's still an instinct to hide it a little bit. That's interesting. That's really interesting. And, you know, before we dive more into, into that and sort of how that's changed and not changed, because it's that old sort of adage, like it's not, life isn't about finding yourself but creating yourself like you get to be this sort of beacon of comedy on twitter that you choose to <laughs> no. be Sorry. which, which you are not you absolutely are <laughs> everybody knows even if like, like the first thing that i knew about you was how damn funny you were oh that's very kind <laughs> every day horrible. it's methodical 
in its execution, uh-huh. uh, which when we'll get to all that, just the commitment sure. to to punnery. But I, I do want to ask about your your twin sister because, I mean, first of all, has anybody ever thrown the Vader sister line at you guys? Sister, <laughs> so you have a twin sister. Like it just feels like it it has to have been a thing when people. No, nope, never that. really was. That's a good. That's a great question, <laughs> but no. Because if I if I was working out like StarWars.com or if I if I was anyone that that is in your your immediate circle, that would be my reaction immediately. Like, hold on, I gotta get my my Vader helmet. Be, be right back. Like, okay. <laughs> uh, so with with your sister, do you think that there was an, an immediate sense of sense of play and sense of like let's tell our own stories like you hear a lot like we had an action figure we made a lightsaber out of a thing like were those the kinds of things you guys were getting into uh not so much like like i said we didn't have the bed sheets or even very many action figures we had um like a few things uh like the the darth vader helmet behind me i guess Mm. my yeah it just came from somebody in the family i'm not even sure anymore but um yeah, no, we, I remember playing, like, you know, you get the wrapping paper tube and smack each other and say they're lightsabers. Like, I remember yeah. that kind of stuff. But yeah, no, no huge action figure collection or any of that. I started collecting that on my own just a little later. So yeah, not, not too much. She, she likes Star Wars, not to the level that I do, but uh, kind of now more in a supportive uh, for me thing. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, so she, I mean, she's like, she likes it, but yeah, no, no Star Wars tattoos or anything for her. <laughs> I mean, not, not unlike this, the Skywalker twins of, you know, I, I did this Jedi thing for about a year. Right? You, you continue doing that. I have other things to do. Yeah, exactly. Over the Luke Leia. We'll <laughs> see each other at the holidays, I'm sure. Um, yeah. So her aside now, now really getting into sort of your, your Star Wars shyness, not not at all like digging into like let's let's have a therapy session about what you know but, <laughs> no no but just this idea that it was yours for so long and before you know social media boom and stuff an interesting thing that i sort of find even in myself is almost nostalgia for when it was more private mm-hmm. i guess or more personal you know, where it's, it's still deeply personal to me. Like Star Wars can move me to tears and it often does. But I sort of sometimes miss like that, whoa, like you know about Darth Revan too, or you know about this oh. too. Like that type of sensation is almost gone because it is so, I mean, it's the punk rock band that hit it, you know, that it's so yeah. big and it's never been bigger than it is right now, contrary to BS YouTubers and stuff. But it's, it's interesting to to see sort of how that changes. So do you miss at all it being just your own thing? Um, n- no, because uh, in a similar way, yeah, it's very uh, personal. I remember it being very emotional. I remember uh, back in my day, you couldn't carry around your iPhone with Star Wars on it, right? You had to carry around your Walkman with the soundtrack on it. That was all you had. So you kind of watched... Uh, I don't, uh, sorry, I'm assuming your age in that I'm much older and you don't know <laughs> how it was no. <laughs> back in the 80s and 90s. But uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, you would have your Walkman and just kind of, quote unquote, watch the movie by listening to the soundtrack. And so I have a lot of memories of just, you know, curling up on my bus seat on the school bus and just listening to Star Wars. And so it was, you know, it was very private, very just me in Star Wars, which I think 
is a lot of where everybody's strong feelings for Star Wars comes is because I think everybody has those little connections that are just them. Um, but I, I wouldn't say I, I miss it. I still get those moments once in a while, but, um, but now it's evolved where part of the fun is sharing it with everybody, seeing everybody get so excited. And yeah. The same thing with the uh, Marvel, like I'll never get, never get over that. Everybody knows who Thanos is like that kind of stuff. Like it's so nice that it isn't something I have to worry about being made fun of, even though that's my habit. Yeah. I don't really need to worry about it. Everybody knows sure. Star Wars now. Everybody knows Marvel stuff. Now. So and I guess there's a little bit of a relief too, I guess, where it's like if your gut instinct is to, you know, zip up and hide that shirt, there must also be a come down from that of like, oh, but like it would probably, you know, the conversation would be different than it would ever be when I was a kid for those reasons. Like now it's, you know, the, the most casual, the fact that, we, I mean, this is not to make it a Marvel versus DC thing, but it's just to 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 add sort of to the shock at all of the rise of Marvel. We had Rocket Raccoon and Groot mm-hmm. on screen before they managed to get Wonder Woman and Flash and Aquaman to screen. So it, it that that to me was a turning point where I was mm-hmm. like, well, the the weirdness is on the table now in a way that it's never been at this point. They could, they could do anything because everything is now sellable. Like we've accomplished it all. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, now that every, I mean, yeah, Thanos is just my main example because I remember reading Infinity Gauntlet and thinking that, oh, this guy's nuts. Nobody's ever going to know who this guy And then, yeah, like he's at the end of that first Avengers movie and everybody suddenly knows who he is and where the story's going. Like it was that, I, I will maybe miss that feeling of everybody freaking out, I think a little bit, but right. they always find ways, Marvel and Star Wars will always find ways to make us all you know, that excited and that unsure of what's coming next. So yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. And to be clear for anybody listening, that's like, what is he crazy? Like, why would you want to go back to that? I don't, I don't want to go back to, (laughs) to to reading Wikipedia by myself and being at my grandma's, you know, during the summer playing uh, Jedi Academy on her computer. Like grandma, I have to build a lightsaber. Like (laughs) I have to get a new crystal. Like, (laughs) trust me, I don't, I don't want to do that anymore. Uh, But it is just sort of an interesting, like, sometimes it's so big and it's so shared. Like you said, everybody has that story about being on the bus and listening um, that I think that's sort of why it gets so tense is because it's the most enormous small thing that everybody has. And it's, and that Mm -hmm. contradiction will always cause uh, an interesting amount of friction. But uh, one thing that you said there was that you read infinity gauntlet back in the day, which is awesome. And so, so you were hanging out in comic shops and, and doing that kind of stuff as you got older in middle school, high school and stuff? Oh, no. Okay. Let's see the aforementioned girl conversation. <laughs> you That's just true. don't. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Not, again, it was very different. I remember we, uh, we mail ordered. I guess Marvel must have had like a mail order. I guess they still do. But yeah, we, we had a subscription to West Coast Avengers of all things, I remember. Oh, wow. So yeah, we, yeah, so we, we sent off in the mail for those kinds of those kinds of books yeah no comic book stores we lived in a small town in texas so if that kind of sets the uh the scene right. a little bit i'm not sure there even was a comic book store there so uh yeah no um again that was kind of just us my sister was into marvel comics with us that's where we had the 
the subscription. So yeah, read comics as a kid. Um, I didn't read much DC until I was older. Interesting. West Coast Avengers fans. I mean, big year for you guys. White Vision. Yeah, this is our time, uh, man. Uh, White, White Vision. <laughs> US uh, agent and, Hawkeye yeah, getting a show at the end of the year. <laughs> like, like this is. I know. Is, well, are, once you said that, together. I was like, oh wow, what a specifically on. That's why I had to pause. Like, what a what a timely book to have read back in the day that's that's awesome wow what a- I thought it would pay off and yeah no yeah, I'm writing yeah. about yeah u.s agent and all those guys and i'm just like yeah man i've been working on this yeah, 25 like, 30 I, years <laughs> i have my homework done <laughs> yeah uh, that's fantastic so at some point uh in your in your geekery in your journey um there is a distinct distinct change and of course that's uh the era of the prequels and of zan and of all that. So like you were saying, you were watching Next Generation and, you know, mm-hmm. so your sci-fi television sort of uh, in, in some of its greatest forms at that time with Next Gen and then DS9, Babylon 5, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but Star Wars sort of creeping back up in the background, like, oh, there could be a resurgence. There could, oh, novels and these, these novels count which nowadays we're like, all the novels count. Well, back then it was like, <laughs> what a concept that you could do a sequel uh, on the page. And then that promise of new movies. So how big was that for you? Were you a prequelist? Did, were you able to absorb that easily? Or was it sort of like, this is different? That's a great question. So there, right around Next Generation was that, um, what does everybody call it? Not really the the, the dark times for Star Wars, where you thought it was, uh, you thought that was it, right? You thought the yeah. story had been told. Um, it was, I don't want to say it was less popular, but it certainly didn't have any promise, I guess, of anything else coming. So, yeah, once um, I do remember reading the Timothy Zahn books, just, you know, cover to cover as quick as I, I could. Um, and then, yeah, and the, I was in college when Phantom Menace came out. Uh, and it was, it was crazy. I mean, I remember waiting, I remember waiting in line for Phantom Menace, but not the entire, my friends got there for eight hours. I couldn't wait the entire eight hours because I had a final that day. And so I had to study and try and get through the final. But the whole time I kept thinking about how I need to get in line for, for episode one, because I, I was just so excited. And so I remember we had bought midnight tickets for episode one and then 10 a.m. tickets for the next day to see it again and so yeah I was I was all in and I I loved it I remember being so excited um just to see a new Star Wars I remember before that um they re-released the special editions in the theater too Mm -hmm. and so I think that had kind of uh led to that excitement a little bit there in the in the 90s um but yeah, I was I was all in. I love Phantom Menace. I still love Phantom Menace. So I will talk about that forever. How much I love that movie <laughs> and <laughs> that whole favorite? experience uh, of the prequels. Yes, of Star Wars. Star Wars: uh, A New Hope is always my number one. So oh, cool, interesting. interesting. Yeah, I yeah, like that. I, I guess I go A New Hope, Empire, and then Phantom Menace, and then I have to stop ranking because everybody's like Phantom Menace, and then the rest of my. <laughs> Like, oh, well, I, we'll get to the rest of this yeah, list later. We, there. Yeah, now, I, <laughs> I, I love. <laughs> I love. Again, we're recording this after May the Fourth, when I think Letterbox was like rank the Star Wars movies, and I just tweeted, "You don't want to see me do that. This is just going to end up in in pandemonium <laughs> and hate." Yeah, <laughs> like it's like another one of those personal, like it's just a personal preference thing. There's so many things that go into your your own personal ranking. So it's yeah, also Phantom just like, Menace. 
the weather and like you know and the seasons yeah it's like my my, where where my head and heart are at at any given moment yeah like did I watch Rogue One yesterday well guess where (laughs) Rogue One just went up into my top three you know (laughs) and so yeah I was I was all in uh yeah I was just out of college uh when the prequels were coming out so I I think I don't think I was one of the ones complaining at any point I was just so happy to have them I was happy to see the uh like they were stunning at the time. You were just like, how did they do any of this stuff? Like, yeah. Um, so yeah, I've always, I've always been a fan of those. Now, are you already at this point, you know, college prequels and then uh, Attack of the Clones a couple of years later and then things are booming. There's, it feels like LucasArts has a game out every two seconds. You know, it's just, it's, it's a crazy time. God, Tartakovsky micro series is, is going. So are you already writing are you already interested in writing or is that something that you is that what you studied um so I did I studied the English my degrees in English and then I went into technical writing which was horribly boring uh when the prequels were out and then um in Austin which is where I was the uh like that kind of dot-com explosion kind of stopped for a while so I was out of work and I ended up a year later I got a like an entry-level job testing video games and so from there uh, I eventually ended up at Sony where I worked on Star Wars Galaxies. Oh, so really? I was, yeah. <laughs> and so that was uh, 2007 or so. So I had missed like a lot of the more, um, ooh, probably anybody listening who knows like the NGE, NGE, can't say that quickly, uh, and all that kind of controversy I had missed, but I was still, I was on the community team and the writing for the website. So I dealt with that, like the the aftermath of all that. So yeah, I was already... I was in community management, but I was already writing too. So. What a time! What I Star Wars <laughs> Galaxies just like unlocked like so yeah. many memories and, and and still the nostalgia that people have for that game and and sort of have its place sort of in the in the canon. And I think there are still people like running galaxies. I'm like fans. They are. Yeah, I get a I get heads up from um, some really passionate players who played. Um, back in the day and they I'm still friends with some guys uh some players then uh and then people who are still starting up like the private servers and stuff I hear from them once in a while too they everybody has really great memories of playing with their friends and making friends and uh I think Galaxies was so different at the time and so much more community focused that I think a lot of you know like you said a lot of memories yeah. are still out there and a lot of feelings for that game so yeah, and, and again, like there's fans that are participatory fans that are that are that are that curate their own spaces and that are contributing via that, you know, the galaxies communities or, or the fanfic writers or the crafters or whatever, where it becomes such a part of what they are doing in their lives, not just something that they're viewing and not just something that they're reading. Mm-hmm. That, that it's an active participation thing, and and the fact that you know you're forming ongoing friendships and relationships with the people that are you know, doing community writing and things like that is such a Star Wars thing, which is something that I, I it just fascinates me because like Star Wars, at the, it's like, a, it's like a human museum, like where every <laughs> single person that has been involved with it in any capacity whatsoever has tons of history and stories surrounding them. So many different connections, so many different times that even with like a celebration where you'll see a photo and you'll say, wait a second, I was I was right to the left of that photo. Mm-hmm. And this person's like, oh, I was here. Oh, did we meet? We already knew each other. And it becomes this really fascinating situation. So 
Um, that's around, you know, the mid 2000s, you said, and I don't always keep these uh, so chronological, but it just happens to be flowing. <laughs> it just happens to be flowing so well. Um, so at that point, you're already writing and everything like that. So that's already part of your life. Star Wars has stayed a part of your life. What are you sort of enjoying personally at that point in terms of, um, you know, Clone Wars is coming up right there in like 2008. Like, are you a person that already really liked animation? Are you diving into all of that extra stuff? Are you still reading books and, and the extra novels and things like that? Um, actually, by the time I started working on Galaxies, just because of the nature of the job and that it was community, it was on call, that was actually probably the hardest time it was for me to be a Star Wars fan because it was just work. Like, mm. Star Wars reminded me of work. I, I didn't really get into the Clone Wars when it was on uh, Cartoon Network. I didn't read the books anymore because everything about it just felt like work. Yeah. Uh, and so it took me a little while after after that job um, to get back into like the more passion, like um, personal fandom for Star Wars. And so I didn't stop liking it, but it was it very much felt like work. And so and then since then, I haven't had that feeling like I'm sure I do way more Star Wars stuff now, but yeah. the nature of the work is a little different. So. Yeah, I missed I missed a lot of Clone Wars. I caught up on it much later. I do remember watching the um, the first Clone Wars series, animated series. I need to go back and watch it again because now that it's on Disney Plus. But uh, yeah, so that was probably like the hardest time it was for me to be a fan was when I worked on Galaxies. But um, it was still it was still like a dream job. I'm not complaining at all. <laughs> no, of course, and and I'm sure people that are listening, you know, I I would wager that most people listening to this show have probably played a video game and have probably played an online video game and can imagine just how stressful some of that might be. <laughs> it was uh, a lot. <laughs> for the people that have, uh, I mean, if you spent any time, I guess uh, on the Jedi Fallen Order or Battlefront 2, you know, to pick two recent ones, spend any time on like those Reddit communities and stuff and it's like one second, you know, they, they're worshiping, you know, the community outreach person of like, thank you so much. You listened. And then like the next day, it's like, bring us his head. You know, he, exactly they, right. they, they haven't <laughs> fulfilled our next request. Um, so it, it's a little bit of that uh, sort of mob mentality. But, but we all have sort of those ebbs and flows. You know, there are days where you, I've said this a thousand times on this show. So if you're listening, drink that Star Wars is like a human relationship. It's like romance. It's like a friendship. You know, it's, it's like, you, so there are days where it's like, you want to strangle Star Wars. And then there are days where you're like, <laughs> man, I love you, Star Wars. Like, you're the best. Like, you're just, it, I don't know why I ever doubted you in the first place. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you always come through. Um, so before we get into some personal favorites, characters, things like that, and like some nitty gritty stuff, the last sort of transition we have to make is sort of into the now. So mm -hmm. how did the Disney purchase affect you professionally, personally? Were you a person that was like, oh my God, they're going to show us the original characters? Or were you like, oh my God, they're going to show us the original characters. That's going to suck. And like, how, how, oh. did, how did you react to me? Because I've had some people that I'm really close to now tell me, oh yeah, I thought that would be a horrible idea. You know, I remember one of my, my English teacher, the day after it was announced, who I knew was a Star Wars fan, my, my favorite teacher of all time, I, I ran into the classroom and I was like, episode seven is happening. And my teacher was like, oh my God, just leave it alone. Don't do that. Oh, no. <laughs> oh it was brutal. It was brutal. So how, how, how did that go for you? So that actually, so that's when we moved to Seattle. That's why I stopped uh, working on Galaxies in Austin was because we moved up to Seattle for my mm. husband's job and I became a mom. And so I was home 
uh, those first couple of years with my daughter, no work at all. But we would, uh, this is always such like a, I'll get to this. There's a point. <laughs> we no, would always, uh, <laughs> this is the most so, tangent friendly. Just, just go. <laughs> go ahead. Yeah. So when you have a, a toddler, they tend to wake up at like, you know, five, five thirty in the morning. And so by 7am you're like, well, now what do I do? And so I had turned to crafts on Pinterest, like toddler crafts, all the little handprints and footprints. And so after I felt like we had done all of those, I would look at them and be like, you know, I could kind of make that into a Star Wars thing. And the more I look at it, that little footprint could be like Chewbacca. And so that's actually where it started was um, I started teaching my daughter the characters of Star Wars. She learned those before she learned anything else because we would do art projects together that I would kind of cobble together from other things I had seen online. And so eventually uh, I was able to start writing again and I started writing for some blogs and I had my own craft blog uh, and uh, StarWars.com's uh, Dan Brooks he started to notice them because I shared them on Twitter uh, which is my number one advice for anybody who's making anything if you want to get noticed you got to share you share what you work on you gotta you gotta cheerlead for yourself a little bit and so he saw those on there and then I think 2015 yeah, 2015, I think it was 2015 or 2016 is when he saw it. And so uh, he asked if I wanted to start doing crafts for the Star Wars website. Uh, and I'll always remember that because I was at um, Emerald City Comic Con in the main hall. And anybody who knows uh, conventions knows that there's no signal. And so I saw the message pop Never. up on my phone and I couldn't connect to reply to him and say yes. And so I was out like I ran out of the main hall I ran outside and I was like trying you to have, hold my phone. <laughs> you have tapped into such a specific trauma where yeah. like like that exact sensation that you're talking about of like I would give anything if this would just send like so it is rude. it's <laughs> the it's, most important message <laughs> it's such a powerful yeah even yeah, just looking but, for someone at a convention where are you? And it never sends. Like it's it's the worst. But please, yep. please continue. So, so <laughs> That's why it'll always I will always remember it. Just like trying to get that message <laughs> to Dan to go through to say yes, I would really like to do that for you. And so uh eventually it went through. Uh and uh so I started doing just crafts for StarWars.com for a long time, a uh, couple of years, and I think eventually I sent him the message and I was like, you know, I can write other things for you too and he said oh really and I said yeah just anything you want and so I started pitching features and interviews and all that stuff and that's how uh the starwars.com stuff uh came together so uh but for for Disney in particular I was I, I had no I had no issue with it I was happy to get new stories honestly um mm -hmm. there was something when you were talking earlier about uh you're talking to your teachers about the Disney buyout I'm trying to remember something had just come out and I was like, well, this is great. So I'm not even, my gosh, now my memory. But I remember thinking well, I we are already in good hands. It had to have been, you're talking about something else that Disney ran? Yeah, something either Dave Filoni ran or Disney ran had come out. And I was like, oh, well, this is fine. They're going to be in good hands. I and guess so it I was not been worried. probably Rebels. So Rebels season one, no, we already, they That's, already had had it. I think you're right. I think it was exactly that. I think it was Rebels. Maybe it was like Rebels. Yeah, because they bought it in 13. Rebels was in 14, but we would still have to wait a year for a movie. So Rebels yeah. might have been that thing where you were like, oh, this is good. Like, yeah, we were. we're yeah. Good. I remember thinking we're in good hands. Like I was not. I think it was exactly that. Yeah, good memory. <laughs> yeah. And, well, and, for, and for me, it was, oh, and I, I love Rebels. I mean, I could go 
I mean, that's Rebels for me is like church. Like that's like for Star Wars for May the 4th, I just threw on a Rebel Assault through the finale, which I think is one of the most perfect, just that's art. But yeah, I think that for me, a lot of it was, was Marvel where I had some people, you know, there's a lot of the reductive sort of internet takes of like, they're going to Disney-fy it. And I'm like, you're aware that they just produced the Avengers, right? Like we're, we're good. Like they have an interest in, in in brand integrity. Like that's part of the model. Yeah. You know, like I, I would remind people that Disney also bankrolled movies like Kill Bill. You know, it's like companies owning companies sometimes is not as simple as put Mickey in it, you know. So I feel like we had to get over that as an Internet culture. And I think that, you know, news shows and things like that, news shows and, and just Internet punditry has been um, w- weird in, in a lot of ways. <laughs> to say the least but but the one thing i like about starwars.com you know aside from the fact that you know it's where i lived as a child you know i remember refreshing and, and just waiting for revenge of the sith any news or photo diaries and all that yeah. Stuff oh yeah yeah <laughs> oh yeah i mean that was i i would because we only had the one computer and i remember begging my mom like would you please get up please just let me use it please <laughs> like go away I need to watch the trailer again. Um, but the preview, I didn't even know to call it a trailer. I need to watch the preview. Um, <laughs> so it, it was, yeah, what a time. But what I love about StarWars.com, and I've said this to, to Mickey when Mickey was on the show and Christina Ariel on, on the last episode, is that there is a vibe in the Star Wars online space, uh, the official Star Wars online space of whether it's the full-timers, part-timers, the hosts, the writers, whatever the situation is, of this office culture that is just like love first and that everything has to come from that place first so what has that experience been like for you in terms of someone like dan saying all right pitch stuff like you you said you have other stuff like just go for it like Mm -hmm. does that come from a okay now's my time to share this opinion that i've always had like on this character like how does that play into sort of um igniting a little bit of that fire of like now it's time for me to inject kelly into this even more so than the crafts Oh, you know, I don't think I really, um, feature-wise, I don't think I really inject myself too much into it. I always start with a, well, I do start with what would I like to read. So I guess I do do that, don't, don't I? In a way, uh, yeah, in a manner yeah. of speaking. It might not <laughs> be like, like your opinion. You're not trying to convince. Yeah. But it is, I guess, sort of like your, you're not going to pitch about your least favorite character, you know, no. like that type of stuff. No, yeah, I always take the opportunity to... um and this also drives who I am on Twitter is I, I prefer, not to the point of, you know, toxicity, but I prefer to be positive. I prefer to focus on the things that I like and the things that I think would give people a smile or a little bit of joy. And so things that I pitch are more like, you know, odes to characters who maybe don't usually get them, like C-3PO. Here's, here's six times he actually saved the day was one of the ones that I pitched that was like that or... I think I did an ode to Chewbacca once because I was like, Chewbacca doesn't get enough credit. And so I think I tend to look at it that way just personally of what what can I write about that would make somebody smile? (laughs) Um, And yeah, StarWars.com is super open to that. Um, I always tease Dan because every, gosh, nine times out of 10, I pitch a craft. The first thing he writes back is, ha ha. And I'm like, is that good? Why are you laughing? Do you like it? Like, is that a good ha-ha? And like nine times out of ten, it's a good ha-ha. <laughs> so yeah, they, I feel like um, Dan and Kristen Baver have that same 
that same energy of um, let's all talk about what we love about Star Wars and not just from like a corporate point of view, but just like a, like a sharing that kind of joy, like the web series that Mickey Capriferi and Dan uh, put together that are Star Wars stories series. Oh, I don't yeah. know if you've gotten it. that, like that, that sort of their, I feel like their mindset behind the content on starwars.com. And I, I really, I really like that angle of it on focusing so much on the fans. Yeah. That it makes it um, makes it a place like Star Wars aside. I think that's what makes it like my favorite place to write for. Absolutely. I mean, and just as as a quick note on that, if, if you're listening and you haven't watched our Star Wars stories, you will cry every oh, episode. Gosh. Every are, episode. <laughs> and not it's not it's not like devastating stuff. There are real challenges in people's lives, but it's the fact that they love that. The fact that the thing you love got them through their pain mm -hmm. you feel like their friend and that's that's the genius of it and it's it's absolutely and yeah. they live somewhere in the like somewhere else completely in the world that you probably never would have like thought about before yeah like <laughs> yeah. and we all those, have that connection yeah those unexpected angles and and so i love that that it comes from that place and like you said not to the point of of toxic positivity which you know is a thing and i and i think that everybody that everybody that is positive a lot like yourself has been accused of being you know toxically positive yeah it's toxic positivity forced positivity forced positivity has been lobbed at me as a criticism for sure and i've had people you know either tweet me or whatever and say why don't you ever just rag on something you know you like everything and it's like well no but it's it's like it's such a star wars thing if i go down that path you know, forever will it dominate my destiny. I could do this and I could make that my whole identity. And there are things that I hate. And every now and then they, they pop up, pop cultural things, like a movie <laughs> that I just think is atrocious. Like it happens. Um, but in terms of Star Wars, I, there's something that I deeply love, even in my least favorite Star Wars movie. And at that point, it's just like, why am I going to why am I going to bring that into again, my relationship mm -hmm. with the thing? So I, I completely understand and respect what you're saying. And I think that it's a smart way to approach it. And it's a smart way to, I think for the, for the website to approach it and the content as well. Um, so yeah, that's great. And I also love, you know, you highlighting unsung heroes in star Wars. And it makes me wonder, are those your favorite characters like Chewie and 3PO and those types of people? Do you have a single one favorite or a few that you go to rattle off? Uh, Darth Vader's my favorite. I can't help it. <laughs> uh, they were teasing me, Kristen and Dan, because uh, when I started, I had Luke Skywalker, because we all have our little profile pages, and it said, who's your favorite character? And I filled out Luke Skywalker. And then, like, a few months ago, I emailed them, and I was like, I've been living a lie. It's Darth Vader. <laughs> and they were like, oh, my God. <laughs> and I said, I have to be honest. I've been living <laughs> you know, a lie. <laughs> I'm a <laughs> closeted <laughs> Sith Lord. Vader fan and they were like yeah we can update that for you chill out so yeah no Darth Vader's number one just they you know it, but they just put a, a like a red stamp that says liar yeah. across yeah. the face too <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um yeah and I think part of that is actually because of how much his character has been explored thanks to the comics mm. in particular um and uh rebels that made me sigh just thinking about him in Ahsoka <laughs> rebels oh, um, yeah. So yeah, just like that whole, I think his whole journey, I think has changed him to my favorite character. But yeah, then I love the, the unsung 
heroes like Chewbacca, 3PO. One day I'm going to write about Bodhi Rook because I feel like he never gets credit for being the guy that made it all possible. So yeah, I definitely like characters a lot, but um, yeah, my number one guy is always Vader. Yeah. What I love about choices like Vader and like Bodhi, completely different. One is mm-hmm. very much of the mythology and the mysticism. One is very much boots on the ground, literally the space equivalent of a truck driver. Like he is, he is j- just a guy who made a choice, but so is Vader. And that's, that's the unifying thing of those characters is that everything, like my favorite character is Han. And I've always said it's because every single time that Han can go right, he goes left. And that makes all the difference for the galaxy, even if he doesn't realize it. Like if mm-hmm. Han doesn't, if Han doesn't finally get in touch with the goofball who he is and choose friendship, the galaxy is done many times, <laughs> you know, and, yep. and that's, and that's, and it's not because he's, I mean, I subscribe to the belief that maybe the cosmic force does nudge a little bit. It doesn't possess people and make them do things. Um, but it, it definitely is like, well, this, all right, but let's, let's, let's make sure that you guys cross paths maybe. And then we'll see yeah. what you guys do from there. Um, but I love that about Han. I love that about Bodhi. And I love that about Vader as a cautionary tale. And then at, in the end, as a, a little bit of a redemptive, inspiring tale. Of course, we're not absolving him for, right. uh, for the murder of, of our beloved Sors Bandine, the bravest Jedi child uh, in, the, in the history of, of Star Wars. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's interesting. Do, do you find that your Vader fandom is a lot because of that? sort of psychology like are you are you a person that thinks a a lot about like the morality play of star wars a little bit like i don't i will think about the redemption because that word comes up a lot for ben solo and it comes up with vader a lot um i feel like that's not really something that can be easily answered uh but what i like about vader is he always he thinks he's doing the right thing. And then you get that feeling a little more in the Darth Vader comics that he's not quite all on board with the emperor. Like he's doing his own little, you get that invader immortal too, a little bit that he's doing his own thing for his own reasons, yeah. uh, which is Padme. And so there's that little bit of, well, he's just an idiot who's in love still like under yeah. the mask, under the, you know, under the red lightsaber, like you get that feeling just a little bit that he's just a, a dummy. Who just really loved Padme? Um, it, but, yeah. just like, it's like you—you you gotta think that like Invader's internal monologue—it's still fourteen-year-old Padme. Like you're yeah. a funny little boy. Like yeah, that, like, that, you, that original like that, there's that little bit of Anakin always still in him, I think. And you know, and at first we didn't have that. He was just the scary guy in the mask. And so mm-hmm. I think that's why I like him so much is because it's changed. You know, as every story gets told, his story's just like the the epic one of it all. And so yeah, that's what I like about Vader not so much any sort of redemption or morality to him but just kind of that whole journey that he takes he's a fascinating sort of exemplar of like all the themes of Star Wars you know like you Mm -hmm. said the the romance the the hope in in his own twisted way the hope that he because because he is driven by by a hope the hope that he could destroy Palpatine the hope that he could bring her back in in a literal sense that we saw Mm -hmm. sort of in the in the Charles Soule uh, Vader run which is just I mean, the Charles Soule Vader, Vader run is just like a cinematic experience. But what's interesting about Vader and what you touched on there is that for so long, he was this thing. He was, I used to be a hero and I was snuffed out of me and I became the Terminator. Mm-hmm. Whereas, and that was very much a Legends thing too, right? Like, a, a, you know, Vader, the idea was what Obi-Wan said. I had a young pupil named Darth Vader who betrayed and murdered your father. 
was the metaphorical way of saying, you know, the, from a certain point of view way of saying, Anakin is gone. There is Vader. And Only then Vader, yeah. Jedi, Anakin comes back. But what new canon has said is Anakin was reduced to like a flickering flame. And it's just about fanning it and getting that he was, you know, the, the blue force butterflies that obviously very associated with, with Ben in the online fandom and, and with the, was it the rollout shorts that started mm-hmm. that? Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, are, are present with, with Grogu and are present in the Charles Sylvater run that Anakin was sort of like never dead at all. And I think that what's like interesting about that is that it's in a grand sort of operatic way. It's sort of a reminder of like, I mean, this charred up husk murderer, like even on his worst days, it's still sort of his best self uh, on the inside. And I mean, that's why I like things like his Rogue One dad joke, you know, that some people really don't like because I think that that's, that's Clone Wars Anakin. Like, yeah, that's Anakin like, for sure. <laughs> yeah, like that's, it, it came out like choke on your aspirations. Like I have had friend of the show, Joseph Scrimshaw of the Force Center podcast, who is a comedian, who is like a real standup, studied comedy theory, knows the literature, like is, 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 knows the science of comedy. We've had a conversation on this show that people can go back and listen to, which was wonderful, where he explained to me, literally like explain it in the rules of comedy, why he doesn't think that joke works. That there's there's nobody around for it. There's you got all of the other Vader jokes in the history of Star Wars. He's playing to intimidate others, you know, like uh, apology accepted, Captain Nita. Like that's for the mm-hmm. other Imperials that are there, and that the, the dad joke in Rogue One is just a self high five. But you mm-hmm. know, I don't care. I, <laughs> I I've said it. Like I understand all that, but it's good. I think he's and just I, trying to annoy Krennic more than anything. I, I think it's a—it's just a dig. It's just a... Yeah. And if you thought you could get over what I just did to you, I'm going to add a sting. And that's going to make it worse. Um, and I can think of no better segue. Oh, dear. <laughs> I can think of... I promise you, I didn't do it on purpose. But we were talking about the Rogue One dad joke. We have to, of course, get into the hallmark of, of the Kelly Knox experience online. Yeah is daily it feels like daily mostly daily. mostly daily puns some would call them dad jokes wordplay there was one today that was at the time of this recording that was very psychological got into my own head it, it, it played <laughs> played the reader against themselves for the punchline next level work uh i have to know are you are you like that just in general, are you, were you a theater kid? Were you a, I need to make my parents laugh kid? How, how does that start? And, and do you remember how it began in terms of Star Wars? Oh, yeah, I do. Uh, no, I mean, I was in theater in high school, but I was terrible at it. It was, it was nothing good there. <laughs> uh, no, it was um, the first. So I always tend to um, annoy my editors, whatever site I'm working for. And the headlines, I always work with puns and alliteration. And they were always like, you don't, you don't need to do that. Uh, and then, um, so there was a little bit of it there. But no, it was uh, going back to what we were talking about before with the, uh, the positivity online. It was, um, it was right when lockdown started. Uh, I was doom scrolling on my phone, I think one day. <laughs> and I, I was oh, like, yeah. you know what? everything everything is bad bad after bad after bad and so i was like i just want to put one good thing on somebody's timeline today and so it was like a random sunday and i put the first joke which was a uh, a play on a classic uh, dad joke which a lot of these are they're just the same kind of like old school dad jokes but with the star wars twist not that i'm not 
super clever here, but it was, um, where does Palpatine keep his Sith armies? And the answer is in his sleeves. And so that one, like I shared it, it made me laugh. And I was like, I really needed this laugh to share it. And so, and it didn't do like gangbusters or anything on Twitter, but it was like a little bit of a smile for me. Uh, and it was a little bit for, you know, the 10 people who read it or whatever. And so I started posting them a little more often. And eventually it started to be daily that, you know, I had enough people replying like, oh, thank God I smiled today. Like putting at least one non-horrible thing on my timeline. And so, yeah, eventually, especially during that, like the worst part of lockdown, I was doing it. I was scheduling them ahead of time so that I didn't get far behind because I didn't want to miss a day, <laughs> which is a little bit excessive. It's just, just how I am. And so I kept doing it daily. And then, <laughs> and then <laughs> just again, you know, it's not so bad now. Things are getting better. Like, mm. I hope. Oh, but yeah, it was definitely a quarantine lockdown thing where I just wanted to add one non-horrible thing to everybody's timeline. Well, in a different way. We need to we need to see if DK or somebody will let you do like a 365 <laughs> days, like an affirmations <laughs> book where I could just flip to a different. Like they did that with Lin-Manuel Miranda's tweets, his wake up in the morning <laughs> tweets. They did. That was fun, yeah. They turned that into a book. Like we need to make sure that these are a book. They, they bring so much joy. And again, like I knew who you were, you know, because of StarWars.com and like the community. But my gut in my soul reaction when I found out <laughs> last year that we were going to be on that live stream together, it was like, Oh, Kelly Knox, the jokes, like it, it the was horrible joke a, person. <laughs> the great joke person, the great jokes. Uh, so we had, we ha- had to talk about that, but, but yes, it is very funny. Everybody uh, eventually maybe, maybe Kelly will stop. I don't know. So you got, you got, maybe she'll switch to doing haikus or something. So you got to get on the yeah. dad joke train while, while it's still going. I can try to take the weekends off now. But. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 you more than earned that. More than earned that after all the comedy. Before we sort of get uh, winding down here, you know, we talked about your favorite character, uh, Vader. Do you have specific uh, favorite stories aside from New Hope, which we also mentioned? Do you have things that you are constantly going back to, specific books, specific episode of a show or things like that? Hmm, so another great question yeah a new hope really is the one that i watch the most although i have found myself putting on rogue one uh, a lot more often for the background noise that's how i can tell i really like a movie if i put it on in the background um i have watched um i mentioned earlier that ahsoka vader episode of rebels which i am blanking on the name when it's oh uh twilight of the apprentice correct thank you uh so yeah i, I do watch that one when i feel like i need to cry um oh yeah oh it's good yeah. <laughs> Oh, my cathartic. <laughs> just I just feel like crying. So let's just go for that one. Um, and again, that one shows him being Anakin when he comes in on the. Uh, is that where he comes down on the Tie Fighter? No, that is Siege of Lothal. I watch he, that one sometimes too when he's on the Tie Fighter and Ezra sees him. That's in that one. That's in Twilight of the Apprentice. Oh, that's the same one. Okay. Twilight yeah, of the Apprentice. He comes down on the Tie Fighter. Yeah, Siege of Lothal. He. That's when he first duels Kanan and Ezra. Yes, that's my just, other. I think that's my other favorite. Uh, the Vader episodes. The Vader episodes. Shocking. But still, like it's it's so much more than just like that's my favorite. So that's why, like, it's some of the best yeah. Vader stuff. Like, legitimately, and yes, it's me being a, a mark to borrow a wrestling term, being a mark for Rebels. But it's the it's the details, like layering Matt Lanter's voice with the James Earl Jones, and just putting that all together. Like, there are so many choices 
that you can just hear like the Dave Filoni, like, <laughs> like laugh <laughs> off to the side. Like it's just, just absolutely brilliant. And every single time that they've used the character, I have a gut sort of like, Oh, Vader again. Like is what more is there to say? And then like, when they do it, I'm like, this was brilliant again. Yeah, crying tears fall. <laughs> Yeah, I have that right now with the Greg Pak Vader series where I was Mm -hmm. like, oh, Vader, now we're doing Between Empire and Jedi. Like, man, what other places can we take him to emotionally before the turn? And then it's, he's meeting Sabe and all these things. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, it was genius. Um, And that's why I have a lot of faith in in the Hayden return. Just because it's like- Oh, I can't wait, yeah. Like we know, and I've gone on about this with, with different guests, but I'd love to know your thoughts. Like, we know for a fact, especially based on Rogue One, we don't need Hayden to bring that character back. We can put anyone of the correct size to do the physical performance. We can get James Earl Jones. We can get the amazing uh, Scott Lawrence um, from Resistance, who also voices Vader sometimes. Uh, any number of voice actors in the Lucasfilm catalog that have done the character. But to get him is so specific that it feels, and so big, and such a, such a momentous moment, it feels like they're setting up another big emotional play whether it's a cracked mask whether it's a flashback whether it's a, a force sort of i think of like ray and kylo and rise of skywalker having the duel in two locations the kajimi duel like is it going to be some sort of like he sees vader but then like he sees anakin like and it's a weird heady force like you could do so many things so i'm curious where your mind goes and how excited you are to see this character again yeah, I, I am honestly probably most excited for Obi-Wan. My family was laughing at me the day they had, you know, Ian McGregor come out on the stage and announce it. I was literally jumping up and down on the on the floor. Like, they were like, what is wrong with you? And I was like, Obi-Wan! And so, yeah, that's definitely what I'm looking forward to. I, I have been struck lately by, um, I don't know if it was because of May the 4th, but a lot of behind-the-scenes photos have been going around of Ewan and uh, Hayden. And you can see that connection that they have. And I think they wanted to, um, like behind the scenes even. And so I think having him come back to really play into that, I think he's going to make it so much more powerful than just a voice. Or I, I can't imagine that he's coming back just to be in the suit. So I'm really, really interested to see where they might go with it. Obi-Wan, I would say, fair to say, your, your most anticipated thing coming up. Yeah, definitely. So is there anything that you're working on that you can tell us about. I know I mentioned up top, Marvel Monsters. Yeah, Marvel, thanks. Marvel Monsters coming out with, with DK. Comes out in July. Comes out in July, oh, okay. Tell us a little bit about that. I know, again, it's not Star Wars, but so integral to your fandom is is Marvel Comics going all the way back to West Coast Avengers. Um, so, <laughs> so tell everybody about that and sort of what else might be in the works. Uh, sure. So yeah, I did um, a book for DK. Uh, it's uh, Marvel Monsters Creatures... Creatures of the Marvel Universe Explored, which is a long title, so we'll just say Marvel Monsters. It's all the um, going all the way back to the 1960s, where Stanley and Jack Kirby and Steve Ditko were working on the you know Tales to Astonish and Strange Tales, where they basically had the big you know King Kong rampagey monsters uh, with ridiculous names crashing through all the cities. They didn't really have superheroes yet. I think not even the Fantastic Four were around yet, and so. Uh, it's a very different kind of comic book. It was really, it was really interesting to go back and see those. Uh, so I started with those, um, and then 
you know, in the seventies, they started doing things like werewolf by night and more like Dracula and Frankenstein. Yeah. So those, those kinds of guys are in there. Uh, and then the eighties things started getting a little weirder, you know, Morbius came around, stuff like that. And so it's all those kinds of monsters. Um, anything big and scary, vampire, werewolf, um, aliens, uh, uh, big old robots. Fing Fang Foom was actually the first guy that I wrote about. I love Fing that Fang guy. Fing Foom? Like, <laughs> that was one of the things that I, I a uh, friend of the show, Charlie Ashby from the Imperial Senate podcast, when the, the Shang-Chi trailer came out, I texted him and I was just like, Fing Fang Foom is coming. Like, because it was like, why are the Mandarin's 10 rings now the size of, of a forearm instead of a finger? And we were like, they're dragon rings. Like, it's going to be. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be so fun if you showed up. Yeah, he's a funny he's a funny character now he's into like farming like he's he's had a journey been fang foom <laughs> that was just whole it the, the history of marvel is just like it's just so fascinating and again i don't do a marvel show so i don't really talk about it a lot um in a public facing way but yeah i mean when people say like you know, like we talked about earlier the mcu they can do anything when people say like oh they've They've sort of done it all, and now they're just setting up Young Avengers. It's like, no, they haven't even come close. No, yeah, they're setting so... up Young Avengers and a couple other things, but this next phase, like, yeah, there's Kang and there's Doctor Doom, but like the whole realm that you've written about, it's so much bigger than just like Dormammu and things like that. Like, there's so many. Like, with the introduction of Blade, excites me for that reason mm-hmm. because the Wesley Snipes Blade was the '90s hard r blade with f-bombs and and a a sex appeal and way more horror but the mcu blade can do werewolf by night and it can do all of the absurd over the top like i i cannot wait to see a marvel dracula you know for that for this (laughs) universe would just it's the phenomenal amount of potential so um yeah they've already started a Morbius the Living Vampire. They've already started with those kinds of monster movies. I cannot right. wait to see what they're going to do with that. Yeah, I have. I am so fascinated. I mean, again, the legality <laughs> is so all over the place of the yeah. Sony Marvel thing, but I am endlessly fascinated about like Michael Keaton is in the trailer for that movie, but it's it is and it isn't MCU. Like it's yeah. I don't want to be Kevin Feige dealing with that, but I do love watching him deal with it. Like, oh, how is that going to count? Like. Mm-hmm. Is Fahey going to say, yeah, bring Morbius over here. Has Blade kill him? Like, just maybe yeah. take care of that problem. And I love that they don't ignore it. Like, they could easily be like, well, it's fine. He and Spider-Man don't have to meet. But they have such a, like, a close comics history that the fact that they make that effort to put the Spider-Man graffiti on the wall or whatever in the trailer. Yeah. Like, I love that they do that kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Is there a, a Marvel character before we end <laughs> on, on a Star Wars note? Is there a Marvel character that is at the top of your list for please give them a, a movie or a show or at least an appearance in someone else's movie or show. I can't believe that they already have the ones that they do. Like she Hulk. I would, I can't wait. I love her. Um, I hope they, again, talking about Charles soul, his she Hulk oh, run yeah. was <laughs> so good. I know they won't do that because it was more her, her legal persona. So I know they won't do that, but I had loved that, that run and that. Take if you, on yeah. Her. If you can give me Jennifer and Matt Murdoch, in a court battle like, in the, in yeah. with a charlie cox version yes oh, i love so him good. i hope they bring him back he's so good so yeah they they she hulk and miss marvel who i saw her set photo the other day she looks amazing uh yeah most of my marvel heroes are, are the women and so i know eventually they'll get squirrel girl in but i don't know if they can do her justice that uh 
there that Ryan North's run was. I don't know if oh, you read. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Erica Henderson. Yes. Was Erica the Henderson first artist. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, that, that was probably my, one of my favorite books, but um, yeah, they've got, they've got her in uh, cartoons and stuff. I don't know. If she'll and they had cast, too. I think, and she voices her too, Milana Weintraub. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I don't is, know whatever happened. I don't know what happened to that pilot. Yeah. That pilot sort of, I think was shot and then like never. Yeah. I think she posted the ears that she wore once i think the <laughs> last year for halloween or so, there was a, like on an instagram story she had the ears on she was like these are the ears and i was like oh, i want to see the whole suit like show me the whole suit um but yeah so squirrel girl is a great choice um yeah i love so much of what you said there's so many and again thinking about the women of marvel it, it's just you cannot go wrong even some have that have been adapted but haven't been adapted maybe in the most comic accurate way or uh in the most ethnically accurate way um i have big love for daredevil 2003 but jennifer gardner electra not exactly uh, <laughs> electra in, in a lot of ways but it would be cool to see that character again um it would be cool to see like crystal from the inhumans if they ever want to touch that again after that mm-hmm. you know after that I'm, weird imax series um but yeah definitely like misty knight they did great with misty knight oh yeah i loved misty misty and colleen were really cool yeah yeah, yeah. They did a good job with them. I'm trying to think if there's anybody else off the top of my head. Oh, I know what my big one is. I hope that uh, Kalea is in Doctor Strange too. That's that's yeah. one of the things. I well, really, they can start getting really weird. <laughs> really, really, really hope that Kalea is Doctor Strange too. I, I have some reason to believe that she might be, but it's like you don't ever know what to believe. But that's my big one. Um, but Marvel aside, we'll have to do it. And we'll have to, Kelly, Kelly, you need to start a Marvel podcast and you, oh, gosh. Need, to, and you need to invite me and other Marvel nerds on. That's what we need to do. Uh, so we can talk about all of this stuff, um, all those obscure runs. Cause that was a big thing for me too. It was always carrying around DK Star Wars visual encyclopedias. Yeah, I love DK them. character Marvel encyclopedia mm-hmm. and, and reading through all those. That was again, like just, it's like carrying the Bible around school. Like you're just, just clutching yep. it. Like, I have to know more about North Star and, and yes. I have to know more about <laughs> Alpha Flight. <laughs> like Alpha Flight would be great. And then the that would be great. They got Carol now in Alpha Flight. So yes. Great. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you could do you could do Guardian and, and, and Vindicator and Puck. Wow, do it, Fahey. Uh Anyway, is there anything coming up <laughs> in, in Star Wars that, that you want to tease or, or an article that maybe would be coming out? Um, just always watch out for me on Star Wars. There's always something coming out on StarWars.com, basically. Totally. So yeah, keep an, keep an eye out for me there. And uh, yeah. Absolutely. And so where can everybody find you uh, around the internet? Obviously on StarWars.com. You said you're only on Twitter and that's at? Uh, Kelly underscore Knox. K-N-O-X. Kelly underscore Knox. Don't look for her on Instagram. She doesn't have time for your photos. She's nope. not doing it. No, but you're, you're definitely. And Facebook ma- is the worst. So yeah. Facebook is, <laughs> yeah, Facebook is, 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 a, is a wasteland. Uh, but stick, <laughs> sticking to the one social media platform, honestly, is probably the best decision for any, any creative, I think, because, oh, it just, every time you add one, it's, yeah. Please delete Facebook if you take one thing away from my episode yeah. <laughs> today. Get rid of Facebook. <laughs> you made it to the end of the show. Delete Facebook. That's, that's what we have. <laughs> Welcome to the anti-Zuckerberg hour of Rockville Radio <laughs> with Kelly Knox. Uh, Kelly, thank you so much for, for coming on and for talking about all this with me. That's been awesome. Thank you so much for having me. It's been been a lot of fun. And again, I, I my heart breaks at the end of all the really, really good conversations. And you're hearing that and someone saying, which ones does he think are the really, really good ones? It's all of them. It's all of them. 
I would never single out a child. All of these episodes, I, I, I love dearly. But when you get to the end of ones that are that are like so sprawling and everything, you're like, oh, but we didn't even talk about this. So you'll have to come back on at some point, maybe when the Bad Batch is over or something like that. Oh, yeah, you know, we didn't even talk about, about the Bad Batch. We didn't even talk about that. We have a new <laughs> Star Wars show out and we didn't even talk about it. How crazy is it's that? It's really good. That goes to show that there's so much to dig into with your journey, with every guest. But yeah, this has been great. This is what it's all about. So Kelly, thank you so much. Be sure to check out uh, Kelly's articles uh, and pieces all over starwars.com. Be sure to buy uh, Marvel Monsters when that comes out in July. If you go to Kelly's uh, social media, of course, there will be links because why wouldn't she promote a book that she's written? You have to be, like she said, your number one cheerleader, uh, which is what I'm going to do right now. So you can listen to this podcast, I think on all the podcast platforms now. I think it's been moved over to Amazon. I know some of them were being migrated over, but for the most part, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. I mean, really, that's probably what you're doing. Uh, scroll down, leave it five stars if you really liked the interview. Uh, you could leave it four stars too, but any lower than that, like just why, why, why even go, why even scroll down to leave that kind of negativity? You know, that's just. It was the joke. I think the joke might knock it down. Oh no, 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 no. <laughs> Don't, Ignore it. I can edit it. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. If, if you like the show, uh, head down, leave a review. We'd really appreciate it. You can also check out the amazing and wonderful uh, Tori Fox's show, The Mandatorian Creed here on uh, Octo Radio, which the last episode had Arzu Amin talking about all the lightsaber battles. And the lightsaber series will continue before she moves on to another topic because she's a genius and she contains multitudes. You can also find other interviews here, like the last episode before this one with Christina Ariel, the next episode after this one with Brian Barry from Pink Milk. We have some other awesome guests that are being lined up that I'm really excited about. Um, so find all of those, A-H-C-H-T-O, radio, wherever you get your podcasts and wherever you hang out on social media, except for Facebook. Kelly said it, not me. <laughs> you're on Facebook, you're, I, I don't know what you're doing with yourself. So for right now, for me, for Kelly, for the West Coast Avengers, punch it, Chewy. Chewy.